You are listening to a free podcast. If you would like to hear more of my Scottish football podcasts and interviews, you can subscribe to my Patreon, which is at patreon.com forward slash pressbox. Hello, I'm Graeme Spears. Well, this has been a sad time for Scottish football. Craig Brown, the former Scotland manager and a wonderful guy, has passed away. So in this podcast, I am chatting to Pat Nevin about the man himself, what Brown achieved, what he was like to play under, and those different beguiling parts of his character that made him so popular. Welcome to Pressbox. Pat, this has been a a sad time for many of us uh, with the passing of Craig Brown, who died of cancer at the age of 82, um, a week short of 83, yesterday, Monday of this week. I've got a few thoughts I want to share with you, and I'm keen to hear your own thoughts on this special man. Let me start by asking you this, Pat, your general impressions of Craig and where and when you first, did you first meet him? Well, the first time I ever met him uh, was I was walking off a football field down near Shawfield, and uh, he came over and he said, do you want to come play for Clyde? And I went, no, really, no, I'm doing a degree. Uh, so I'm not really into making a football career my profession. And he thought about it for a moment. And he went, well, you've got, you're a, you've got a grant then if you're a student. Um, so why don't you, and you'll be a bit skint, so why don't you play football and study for your degree? Uh, we're only part-time at Clyde anyway, so it wouldn't get in the way. And I went, all right, how much you pay? And he went, 30 quid. And I went, right, where do I sign? And I was, I was a complete tart for the money. Um <laughs> And uh, Craig, no. the thing is, it's, it's a funny story, but true. But also the fact that Craig, when I said no, initially, some of us would have walked away. But he wanted to know why no. Why did I not want to go and join a professional team? And um, because he purely was somebody who was into, involved in education, he had a hinterland. As soon as I said I was a student, he, he got it right away. Um, and from that one meeting after me scoring a goal or two against his uh, reserve stroke first team, and that bounce came when I was playing for a boys club, um, you have me here all these years later, having had a nearly two-decade professional career in football, um, played for the international team, played Scotland, England, you name it. Um, and he gave me caps when he became Scotland manager after those two years I worked under him in Clyde. So it's no exaggeration at all, not even the slightest to say I owe the vast majority to, to him and that fabulous first meeting that we had. Um, and there was a real bond right from the start. He just kind of trusted me. I trusted him. Um, he understood me better than just any manager would because he knew I was an outsider and slightly different from most of the rest of the players because I was com- coming from a different angle. But that's an angle he knew well because he'd been a lecturer. He'd been a head teacher. He understood the education. Um, so we kind of bonded right away. I mean, even though I was 17, he was older than me. Craig was my boss, but he was kind of like a mate as well. Um, and that relationship never budged. It never changed. It just got better and better and better and closer. What Two things strike me, Pat, just listening to these opening thoughts of yours. I remember, what I do remember when I came into sports journalism, and you and, you and I are probably roughly the same age, I think. I, I was, I'm sorry to say I'm, I'm 59. I'm, I'm really knocking on. But we're roughly, roughly, okay, we're the same vintage. When I came into journalism, I remember Craig Brown and Andy Roxburgh waxing lyrical about you. I mean, they loved you. Craig loved you as a player. In fact, I remember the SFA, you helped them 
I think years and years ago, Mika and SFA video to do with ball control or technique or something. No, and they, more, they, more than one, more than one video. Okay. <laughs> so I remember, I remember Craig showing it, showing me this, and I remember him saying in a press conference, you know, Pat Pat Nevins got fantastic ball control. If you, if you, if you, you know, he would compare your ball control with, with with among the greats. I remember that being very striking. And secondly, and this is a different point, Pat. He, I mean, so he has been. He was enormously significant and influential in your life, which is maybe stating the obvious, but yeah. but but that's just a, a, the truth, isn't it? Completely the truth. I mean, other than my dad, it's kind of hard to think anyone who had more of an influence. Um, you know, if the influence had been, he, he got me into the game when I wouldn't have become a footballer. Um, and on top of that, stuck by me, trusted me, gave me a game right after about a couple of months, and then I never went out of the team again. Um, gave me advice all along the way. You know, certainly put me in front of Andy Roxburgh for the, the youth team. The under Scott got me into the Scotland national setup. You know, you have when you get there, you got to be good enough. <laughs> but it's nice to have somebody give you a wee push in there. So all that sort of stuff was, you know, Craig putting that in there. And then when I left, it not, it didn't stop. It didn't stop being you know a friend or somebody I could talk to or someone. Because remember, it was '86 around about then. You know, you're talking that I left Clyde at 83. By 85, 86, I'm, I'm knocking on the door of the Scotland squad. And Craig's brought back in by Sir Alec, or Alec Ferguson as he was then. And that was when I started the Scotland squad. I was there for another 10 years. And, of course, Craig was in that squad for those next 10 years as well because he was working as assistant to Andy Roxburgh all that time. Um, and Andy and Craig were two people I had massive, massive respect for. Now, from the outside... You might have thought, oh, well, that's because they like him and he's one of their lads and, you know, they're a wee bit um, starry-eyed or doe-eyed <laughs> because they quite liked my skills. Um, but it wasn't that. Both of them were kind of hard-nosed as they had to be when it came to football. And if you weren't good enough, you, you just didn't get a game. I mean, I was born out with the fact that it didn't take me in 96 to the Euros um, and there was no bad feeling about it when that, that was the case. So the whole way through my career, it never stopped. I mean, the first game... That played for Chelsea after leaving Clyde. And, you know, he was a bit disappointed. He wanted me to go somewhere else. They'd have liked more money. But I still got a telegram, a personal telegram from Craig Brown on my debut. I mean, managers don't do that. I Trust me, managers don't do that. But Craig Brown does that because he cares, because he's a gentleman, because he has a consideration for others. And that's something that's never, it was never anything other than that. And I'm talking to you here, Graham. Bet he'd done that with you. Bet he'd done things where he was helpful to you, phoned you back every time, all that sort of stuff. Because that's just absolutely core to his personality. Yes, I mean, I, I um absolutely, Pat. I, I had to uh, like all of us. We, we've we've all been popping up everywhere, uh, giving our tributes, and I had to do something on the BBC this morning, and I and I said exactly that in, in my own personal experience, and this would be shared by tons of people. He was kindness personified to me. Yeah. He went out his way to help me. I actually think, Pat, I don't know if you saw this, and the point I was trying to make this morning was, I think among the many qualities Craig had, Craig valued youth. He saw the potential in youth. He wanted to encourage young people, young Scots who he thought were talented, maybe who weren't talented, but he saw the goodness in youth. And, I, and I've, in my nervous young years as a reporter, he went out his way to help me because he wanted me to flourish. He, he, he had that milk of human kindness about him, you know. I think it's that, but it's also he didn't like cynicism. 
And yeah. you don't have to look far in football and in journalism to find cynicism. Um, and he wasn't a big fan of that. So the youngers, younger players, stroke younger journalists, if you got to them before the cynicism kicked in and took a hold of their soul and you were nice to them and you showed them the right way to behave, then maybe you could affect them to be more outward, more open, more like you are. I mean, I've, I've, I completely and utterly shared that feeling with, with Craig. You know, like I remember a, a journalist friend of yours, uh, <laughs> we shan't name him, but uh, he said to me, uh, problem with you, Pat, you always see the good in people and then you wait to be disappointed. And I said, well, the problem is you, you always see the bad in people and you have to wait until you see a positive. I said, no right or no wrong way. It's just two different life views. And certainly Craig's and myself and others who liked him, he had that life view or our views were entrenched more by being like that or, or, or by being affected by Craig by saying, actually, you can be like that. You can be positive. You may affect others positively around you. And you'll hear that when you hear players talking about them in the Scotland squad that it was an ultra positivity about them and it wasn't a naive stupid positivity because you know he built the technical side up as well so you know people always underestimated you know Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown they always underestimated them I never did and most of the younger players that came through when they were first the, the management team in Scotland none of us did we all thought actually from the outside I know what it looks it looks like school teachers telling you to hey, roll your socks up when in actual fact, the sophistication and the stuff that was going on in there was miles ahead of a lot of other people that a lot of us had worked with. Pat, did did you or other players ever um, fear Craig Brown, or was was that not the way he he worked? That that's not even a concept that would have crossed my mind. I'm afraid. No, because why would you fear him? Um, because oh, you you knew unless you were a bit daft you knew that he was trying to get the best. If not always, well, always for you, whoever you were, but more so for the group, for the team, for his country. You knew that. It's just absolute certainty because you don't spend that amount of time with an individual when he... But look, listen to all the quotes you've heard over the last day or two. And every time he's, he's so self-effacing and he says things, I'm lucky. You know, I, I had a good team there. Or, you know, all things went my way and the players did this. And it's always, it's all this bouncing off. It's such a beautiful thing that a generation ago was not uncommon. It's quite uncommon now because everybody's selling themselves. And he was exactly the opposite of that. But if you're working with that and you're working under that, you realise, actually, he's given us all the kudos. He's not stealing it all himself. He's not wanting it all himself. He's not interested in it. All he is interested in is what is good for the group. Um, and we have gone through this period where the cult of the manager has really been, you know, it's been blown up of all proportion now. It's incredible the way it's been. Maybe Josie was at the start of it and Josie Mourinho, but, you know, the cult of the manager has always been there. Him and Andy Roxburgh were precisely the opposite of it, absolutely opposite of it. Look, we're a group, we're a team, we do it all together. And that means if you're the physio, you know, if Steely comes in, um, he gets the last word. I don't know if you know that, but our physio would always have the last word at the Scotland Games. <laughs> Which is like, what? You expect Andrew Roxburgh, Craig Brown or whatever. No, no, Steely, he had the last word. Because he was funny, he, he would have a laugh with us all, and he would be ultra positive as we went out. Now, how many people give somebody else the last word? You know, before a big moment, they always did it to, 
to that. So it was always me and you. We're in it together. He's leading us, but he's not taking all the kudos. He's not taking mm. all the applause. He's actually wanting us as a group to do it. And you can't be fearful of somebody who does that. You know, you, you can you can be you could disagree with a style. You could you know you make the I'd rather a different management style. That's fine. The word fear, nah. Yeah. The re- the reason I, I I mean and I agree with you of course you you don't you don't associate the word fear with Craig Brown at all but Pat here's the context of of why I asked you that question because I think actually I think Craig was a little bit self conscious about his quotes really nice man image close mm-hmm. quotes I I think he felt in one way that it maybe um, <clears throat> diminished him a little bit one thing I noticed about Craig in my dealings with him was the number of times he tried to tell me that he tore a strip off a player or I ripped into him or I left the guy in shreds over some dispute. And I sometimes used to think, I right, Craig, somehow this isn't you. I'm not saying he was a shrinking violet. Of course he wasn't. But but I don't think he completely liked the image he had as this compassionate, slightly soft guy. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean and I know exactly how he felt. Um, Because you are, when you're, and if you're writing a piece in the paper, it's going to be 800 words or something, right? You're not going to get the complexity of an entire individual in that 800 words, are you? Like, that's just not going to happen. So what tends to happen is you you put people in boxes. Everyone does. It's the simplest way to do it. And if you get stuck in a box long enough, you live there. And you're, you're, you're expected to live there. And there's a narrative that builds up around it. And people don't jump out of the narrative that often because you will be the only one doing it. So the narrative was built up with Craig. I know that narrative. I've been there, you know, semi-intelligent footballer. You know, I've been in that one. I never particularly wanted it, but you get stuck in there. So instead of fighting against it, you know, you just think, right, if you want to think that simplistic way of me, it's a third-person third thought. But it became so all-consuming of what Craig was, you know. I think he probably, as he got older, thought to himself what many of us thought. I don't know if the respect... And that's it's a, it's a strange word that respect because he was respected, but I don't think he was held in as high regard as he deserved to be. He would never shout for it and want it, but he knew. Wait a minute, I got I was involved in all these World Cups and all these Euros, and that was a big part of it. But it was it was never kind of really lauded quite to the same degree. So the way you make be lauded to do that is to be seen on the way other managers were seen. You know, uh, oh, I can shout to people, I can. But I know I've been in the dressing room where he's raised his voice. We all do. I mean, I'm, I'm no shouter and baller, but I've done it before when the, the moments needed it. And certainly, Craig, I can remember him doing it all the way back in my Clyde days. Um, but you knew there was a kind of smirk there at the end. You knew there was a, a diffusion at the going to come at the end of it, you know, because he almost couldn't help himself. Mm. He didn't want to leave it in a negative. He would then uplift it with a positive at the end. Um, one of the quotes I've been talked, jumped to my head recently was when a friend of mine, Robert Riley, played for Clyde with me, and he just he, he came on as sub, scored three goals, and get sent off. And uh, to you, because I'm talking to you, I can use the correct <laughs> colloquialism. <laughs> hey, Riley, your dad was a giner and he made your head. Which, <laughs> yes, and I actually just like shouted at him, like, and I just thought, well, what a great way to say it because lots of other people would have just been effing and blinding. But Greg had to do this typical Ayrshire like colloquialism, yes. and he did it all the time with everyone. It was a wonderful moment. I don't know, it's one time I ever seen him 
completely speechless. And I've, I've, this has just jumped in my mind, and my apologies before, but we are on a podcast, so it's fine. <laughs> I will tell you. It's so fine. we were in a game, and I can't remember who we were playing against, but whoever this team was, could have been Stenhouse, Muir, could have been Beth, Swife, something, right? But we were changing, not in the normal dressing rooms, but, you know, in an outside kind of cubicle because we were redoing the dressing rooms. And we were all stuck in there, and there was these prefab toilets right in the middle of the dressing room at the side. And he started shouting and bawling at one of the players, and he goes, and that's for you. And he looked around the other one, and he goes, and he shouted the player's name. He started ranting, but he couldn't, couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. And then the door of the toilet clicked open. Mary was sitting there, squeezing one out, as it were. You could just see Craig, Craig going, I don't know if I really, really should be existing in this world. This is maybe a wee bit too base for me. And that was the only time I ever seen completely stop short. Um, and uh, Mr. McLaren just carried on with his uh, relief. <laughs> <laughs> could you, could you, could you tell if Craig didn't like a player? I mean, if he just didn't take to his character or personality, could you see it in him? I'm asking this, Pat, because I, I can think of a couple of ex-Scotland international players that I know from private conversation with Craig that he didn't really take to. He tolerated them. But he didn't take to as players could, or or you could you spot I it? Know in, more than two. I'm more than two. <laughs> Aye, okay. Um, and what it was, it's very very simple. Um, if Craig didn't think they were doing the very very best for the team, and if they're too selfish, Craig didn't really want them. But sometimes he needed them, and sometimes the country needed them, um, and that's what Craig would have done with those. He wasn't stupid. They, they underestimated each player who thought they were cleverer and thought, you know, we're going behind his back and saying things. And I said, he knew. Because he had enough people that liked him. <laughs> they would say, watch out for that guy. And uh, certainly I, I came across a couple. One, again, won't be named, but I had a, a, a massive disagreement with uh, just before the World Cup saying he was a slime ball for talking about his gaffers back and trying to turn, turn everybody on him. Craig, when he heard that sort of stuff, just said, right, okay, I'll use them to a degree, but they will be binned as soon as I get any replacement whatsoever. Mm. If they had a weakness, he maybe held on a wee bit too long with one or two, uh, but it's not the worst. If you're going to have a weakness, I still think that's the best weakness you can have, to be slightly overkind. Um, but certainly Craig knew, he always knew who they were. Because, uh, as I say, he had such a fabulous network of people who cared about him. And, and it wasn't clipping. It was people saying, watch out for him, Craig. Nothing more than that. And he would know. Yeah. One of my, Pat, one of my favourite memories of Craig Brown, and I was still reasonably young at the time, but when we all decamped to England for Euro 96, um, of course, me and the other Scottish writers, we'd been around Craig Brown. We, 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 we knew him reasonably well. In England... I mean, my God, he had the English media eating out of his hands. I always remember this. Mm-hmm. I remember the, the English media because suddenly um, here was Craig Brown, manager of Scotland, getting a, a wider exposure. And I can remember the guys finding, they were kind of thinking, this guy's charming and articulate and urbane mm-hmm. and contextual and he speaks well. And, and I, I, you know, and I can remember the English press being, completely beguiled by Craig. And I mean, it was funny and impressive. It was impressive because that's genuinely how he was. He was an impressive man. And it was also funny because we knew that Craig could also be a a joker and a prankster Mm -hmm. and, you know, a a rascal, you know. And so, but I I just remember the way he charmed the pants off the English media at Euro 96. 
um, and everyone else. No, you're, you're right. They can't say you talk about Craig Brown without saying charming. Now, there's sometimes a background hint, an echo with the word charming, isn't yes. there? Yes. <laughs> and the echo is a slightly dark one. With, with him, it was cheeky rather than dark. Um, and he was utterly and completely charming, but in a gentlemanly way and in a kind way. And I've known enough charmers who weren't that. You know, they were one their own way. But we came, with Craig, it wasn't. that There wasn't that darkness behind it. He was beautifully charming. Also, he knew he knew how to tell a joke and tell a story. So, you know, the, the, the press men down there, it's a, in a way, Craig had it in Scotland. He had the Nuzzin name. He had to have You know what it's like. So it's, a, it's an adversarial system that we have in Scotland between the, the press usually and the managers, right? That's just the way it is. And England's kind of the same, only a lighter version of it, I always found. But he's gone down there and he's saying, well, I'm not taking part in the adversarial system. I'm going to have a laugh with him. And it's it was brilliant because he would lead them up the garden path with these little lines and they don't know where he's going. And then he would, you know, blindside them with a great line at the end of it. And that's that's what he did. He made them f- laugh. He's, he, he often said that, that phrase, I'm sure he said to you yourself and many people, He's bilingual. He can he talk football at ease and he can talk to normal people as well. And that was the joy of it, that they accepted that he could be one of us. And Craig, of course, did become one of them to some degree when he, he does journalism for the BBC uh, and did it very, very well as with Five Live. I worked with him for quite some time doing that sort of stuff and he was great at it. But the charm things, you can't. See me you say Craig Brown, and in the days and the months and the years to come, you say Craig Brown, you say charming. I bet you're smiling. I bet yes. you're smiling when you say it, because that's all we can do. And we're so sad that he's gone, and we'll, we'll miss him madly. And don't be a self, Graham. Um, I, I, I was speaking to him very, very recently. You know, and contacted him within a, a month ago or so um, with a text. He got in touch with me about something. He wanted to help someone else. And ever, because that's all you ever seem to do is help other people. Mm. Um, and but even though he's gone, I'm I'm still I'm saddened, but I'm smiling because he made this this world a better place. He made me a better person, and yeah. he made I think everybody else around him a wee bit better. He was he was authentic. Uh, I always found him authentic. And and Pat, this is this is the other thing for me. People talk about quite rightly. They talk about Craig Brown's humility, which is. Always impressive, but but you know what? It, it it was more than that. He had this self-deprecation about him that he used, which I and it was genuine. He was self-deprecating. He wasn't averse to sending himself up. Um, you know, I used to love the way that he would say he was fond of saying, for example, oh, you know, the the greats, the elite of uh, Scottish football managers. There's Jock Steen, there's Bill Shankly, there's Matt Busby, there's Sir Alex, there's Craig Brown. You know, and, and he and he added his name on at the end as if you know the the, the absolute elite. And and he was he was slightly taking the piss out of himself. He meant it as a joke. And I always say, you can disagree with me. Um, I always say that Craig Brown, he wasn't among the greats. He, I, I wouldn't say he was among. He didn't win World Cups and and Champions League. He was, he was just very good. He came into the category of very good as a manager. Now, I, I think that's sufficient. Maybe you think he deserves to be elevated higher than very good, but that's that's where I place him. Um, I don't really place him anywhere like that. I place him in there. Can you maximise your potential with everything you've got? 
if you can do that, you've done everything. And he did that. I mean, he couldn't have done any more than he actually did for Scotland for all those years and the amount of competitions he got. To remember, nobody's got any further than Craig Brown Scott. For all the great names that we talk about in Scottish football and our history and our managers, no one's got us any further than getting to the World Cup. We've never got out of the group yet. So... You know, and, I, and Pat, never mind that, Pat, I keep saying it. I mean, OK, he, at the end of his eight-year reign as Scotland manager, not a bad innings. Had a good run at no. it, time to go. Well, all these suckers have come along since, and in 22 years, none of them have uh, duplicated, I you know. I didn't, I didn't think it was his time to go. I think he should have stayed. And at the time I said that, uh, I was covering the games at that time. And we've got a habit of doing that because that becomes the narrative at the time. You know, uh, you know when you have a, a decent manager who's done well with you for a while, and you don't get to a World Cup or whatever, the usual thing is, right, okay, elbow, dump, out of the way, let's look at the next person. And actually, in fact, he might have been the right, the right next person as well because he might need to have um, re- resurrected the team in a different style because that team had come to the end of its useful life. Remember, he's, he came very, very close to qualifying for the last ones that he didn't qualify. I mean, within a goal, at a certain time, or hitting the post, all that sort of stuff. So you, you're not brown or terrible, even though he often said that you're seen as absolute genius or absolutely awful. And I certainly thought at the time, well, I don't know why you're doing this because I don't think you're going to get anyone who's, who actually knows that that better than he does. And of course, I'm not saying he would have got us to someone else, but nobody did get us for a generation or two. It's yeah. only Clarkie that's taken that long. And there's lots of narratives like that. I mean, I find it a lot in the game where I disagree with people and because he was sacked, people go, oh, well, that's the narrative, that's the correct thing. Well, maybe it was the wrong thing. There's a guy, Graham Porter, down at Chelsea, everyone said he's absolutely useless. No, he's not. He's really good. But he gets sacked at Chelsea after seven months. Same, Davy Moyes. You know, everyone thinks that was the narrative at the time. Oh, it's a changed narrative. Now he's improved. No, he hasn't. He was great. <laughs> he was really good. They just needed more time. But the game, stupidly, rather doesn't give certain people time when they deserve it. And I think at that time, Craig deserved a little bit more. You've you've touched on this um, a few minutes ago. I just want to check this again with you uh, by asking: Do you think mm-hmm. Craig gets due credit for for what he achieved with Scotland, going to Euro '96 and in France '98? Because actually, I think he does and has got credit for that. But I keep seeing stuff, and I keep hearing stuff from certain fans saying, "No, no, he he didn't get the credit he deserves for these feats." I, I might have misread this, Pat. I've always believed that in the main, among the body politic of all of us here swilling around this football thing in Scotland, most of us say, oh, yeah, he he, he did really well. He was good. But some people say that he doesn't get enough credit. Um, from my position of watching it and talking about it and being on videos and TVs and talking to fans, etc., I see he's got it probably for the last 10 years, but he didn't get it before that to anywhere near the level. So I think there was a narrative beforehand, but I think mostly because the narrative's easier when you look at it through the prism of what has happened since. People think, actually, I'm, I'm going to relook at that only a bit now. But certainly the time. And the same as the came with Andy Roxburgh. You know, both Roxburgh and Brown were pilloried down, the Mickey taking and all the rest of it for a lot of the time, the two school teachers. And I remember it, and I remember a whole bunch of us, like Glenn McClare, myself, Paul McStage, I.C., John Collins and all that. We were going, well, that's nonsense. That's not with the light at all. But, you know, that was the narrative. He just shrugged his shoulders because we've all had narratives written about us that we don't agree with. Um, but I would agree with you, Graham, that at, in recent years, and at least the last decade, I mean, at least the last decade, yeah, 
I think it has been accepted and people have revaluated what he actually done in that period of time. And more than that, you know, in the in the years that, you know, from you know, when he came back up here with Mullow and say Aberdeen at that, he became more than that. He became deeply loved. <laughs> so that's that's not a bad thing, is it? You put up with that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, what one that's the thing that's come out for me, Pat, in, in the last twenty four hours since his passing. The recurring uh, show of love and respect for this guy. And it's not exaggerated. It's not in inaccurate. It's not that saccharine thing about, oh, somebody's just died. We all have to speak nicely of him. It's genuine kind of uh, portrayal of his character. I mean, the stories, Pat, that have come out about, um, and, and you... <clears throat> You've received this. I've received this. Mm-hmm. The stories of his little of his little acts of of kindness. That one, the one I liked in particular, Jamie Murphy, when he was at, uh, at Motherwell. You know, when it was his birthday, and Jamie Murphy told this, tweeted this story last night that it was his birthday, and he asked Craig Brown, then his gaffer at Motherwell, could he take some of the team out for a birthday bash? And Craig said, Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And Jamie said, Craig came in the next morning with an envelope with two hundred and fifty pounds in cash in it. And Craig said to him, here, take this. Uh, the club the club have arranged for this. Take this and have a good night out. And Jamie said, I knew deep down that that money came from his own pocket. Uh-huh. He was giving it to me himself, but he pretended it was from the club. And that story rings so true of the, yes. the kindness and the thoughtfulness of, of, of Brune, doesn't it? And, and it absolutely does. And I'm so happy, you know, he, he mentioned that. We've all mentioned various things that he'd done with, without without trying to get anything out of it. It wasn't done so that play would work harder for you or someone would give you an easy crit. It wasn't done for that. That's what we all knew. It was done because he seen the good nature that was is a good thing to pass on to everybody and a kindness to other people and a thoughtfulness towards other people. And to wrap that up with being a football manager, that's hard. I mean, I never wanted to be a football manager because I thought I've not, I've, I've written in my last couple of books, I didn't have the right personality for it. I, did, I, I couldn't be that hard. See, when I think about it now, maybe you don't need to be that hard. Maybe you need to be a wee bit more just like Craig. You know, and but it's hard to be that in that incredible maelstrom of a world that you exist in. Because he was in the middle of maelstrom, you know, media storms himself a few times. He handled himself brilliantly. I had a, I can remember the, 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 the time sitting in an airplane with him from... Uh, from London all the way to Seoul in, in South Korea, and we talked. We just talked the whole way, the whole way, and we went into some serious depth in that conversation of some of the difficult times he's gone through, and it was absolutely phenomenal that he kept on putting it back on other people, saying, "Well, I, I'll maybe I get this wrong, maybe I get that wrong," and, and I said, like, "Craig, forget about it, mate. People don't think that badly of you. People think really well of you." And it was, it was really lovely to spend that time with him in those hours with him to underline to him that, actually, don't worry, that just happens now and again. Because he told us often enough, you, you just walk in front of that media bus now and again and you get hit by it, but you need to get back up again. Um, and it was a it was one of, probably my favourite time of any specific time I spent with him was all those hours together. And it was one of those... And, and I, I can't remember us not laughing or joking or... You know, be serious for a moment and then back on something complicated about a technical football thing it was one of those conversations you think mm, yeah we're going to Korea but if we keep on going to Melbourne I'll be alright 
<laughs> yeah, I I absolutely I absolutely get that, Pat. And one of the things that's I have to be honest here. Uh, one of the things that has pained me personally in the last twenty four hours is I I now realise I took it for granted. I took it for granted that I thought Craig Brown would be around forever. Mm. I just thought he'd be here forever. So, for example, I'm now desperately sorry that in the last fifteen months I didn't see more of him. Than, than I did. Um, I, I te- he was on my podcast last year, which was great on this same platform that you're on, and that was wonderful. I texted him about three months ago and I said, Hey, let's meet up for a coffee and catch up. And he said, Yeah, yeah, sure, come down to air. That whole gang of us meet down in that coffee shop in there, that Ayrshire Mafia, the Jim McSherry's, oh, yeah. and all these guys. And, and to be honest, I just wanted to see him. I didn't want, I just want, I was greedy. I just wanted to see him. So I said, Well, I'll get back to you. And then when I texted him 10, 10 days ago, it was the family that responded to the text saying he was in hospital and the cancer that he was suffering from had suddenly become much more aggressive in, in, in attacking him. And I suddenly thought, oh, God, why have I not seen more of him in the last year? And, and maybe this is a natural human thing. I, I don't normally get too carried away when public figures or football figures die. But in this occasion, I've been a bit pained by it. I, I just, I can't help it. It's because he's a friend. Yeah, he was, he was <laughs> a great guy. A brilliant a guy. The thing about every one of us that has talked about Craig, we do talk about him as a friend. That's what we sound like. We're talking about friend. And we all feel we have this special thing. But we all feel it. That's the real thing, that there's so many people like have this kind of feeling of, yeah, I, I was special to him. Because he made you feel special. Uh, you had a special kind of intimate friendship relationship that you can have with him. But he had that reaction with so many people, and it wasn't an overbearing thing. So the reason that you're feeling it is, is how you would feel about something who's that someone who's very close to you, almost family, because he had that way about him. So that's not abnormal, not unusual. I've been trying to just look at it in the other way, thinking that like, I remember every one of those good times. I, I was lucky enough to spend good times with him. Mm. There was a line... I was talking the other night, and some, we played a, a wee quote from Craig, and he said, oh, I was lucky. And my answer was, no, no, Craig, we were lucky. We were the ones that were lucky to know you. And it was, it's, it's so typical of him, and it's good to get it back. My solace in it just now, my real solace in it just now is, um, a couple of years ago, my first book that I've written, you know, this accidental football one, I went to pains to write about how much I like Craig Brown and how much I admired him and how highly I rated him. And Craig, I sent him a copy and Craig read it and he got back and touched me and he was very nice about it. Um, and that's my solace at the moment of, I told him, <laughs> I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I got it down there in black and white and I sent it to you and you read it. And it's one of those, you know what we blokes are like, you know, Scottish blokes, we're rubbish at that sort of stuff. Yes. Um, we're absolutely garbage at it. But one of the joys of writing say, a memoir or two is that you can actually say that about yeah. some people just say right because you never know you know we've lost a few people in the last few years and we all have and even from covid etc but you know it's suppose there's a there's a great song <laughs> typical me have to bring it back to songs again the great song by a band called the flaming lips called do you realize and it you should anyone should a listen to it and b because it's a brilliant song but b the point being tell people just tell them because you never know it could be yeah. tomorrow I, I that that tribute in your book to him, you're quite right to take solace from that, Pat, because that would be 
I know absolutely that would be very meaningful to Craig. That would be very meaningful to him uh, reading that. I, I, I also take um, comfort from the fact when I, like you, I've had this incredibly enriched experience with him. I've been in, when I think of the great European cities where I've had adventures with Craig Brown in Paris or Barcelona, I've been in Sarajevo, I've been in, around Scandinavia, Germany, the Balkans, I've been all over Europe with him. And, you know, I, I, I sat with him in a cafe in Paris. I, I watched him stuffing his face with croissants and <laughs> munching, wolfing them down with, with steaming cafioli. I, listen, I've been the luckiest guy in the world. But the other thing is, Pat, you know, and, and these memories are brilliant. How do you explain this? Um, it's quite the dynasty, isn't it, these brown boys mm. became? I mean, you've got Craig who became... The, the Scotland manager, Jock Brown, who was a blue at Cambridge at football, became a lawyer, became a well-known TV commentator. Uh, Bob Brown is a very distinguished Church of Scotland minister uh, who's had a great um, career. is not the word you would use in the church, but has a, yes, has yeah. a, had an influential career, inverted commas, in the church. Quite a dynasty, these three. How does it happen when you get genetically, you get three brothers that all achieve like this? I don't really understand it. And the dad was a footballer too, and played for quite a few clubs. Yes, that's so, right. You know, I, th- I suppose they, they can actually, you know, they, they do sort of work off each other. And I think that's certainly a siblings thing that you do work off each other. I certainly know my siblings, we all, we, we weren't out competing with each other, but we expected the best, you know. And it, that's generally, that's a parental thing that, you know, he, he will have looked to his parents and, and what they showed and the encouragement he gave them. And, People often say you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Actually, the best silver spoon you can ever have is a, a mum and dad that treat you the right way and give you the right values. And certainly there is no doubt that, that the whole family got those values. And, and they took them and they, without getting too biblical about it, you know, they used their talents in the best possible ways. And that's what they did. They didn't bury them. They went out and used them very well. And there's something something great about that. And every one of them found where their own niche was. But then I suspect had they all done each other's jobs, they'd have been just as good. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's my suspicion as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can I go um, one, before I go, there's a couple of, just, think, just mention it, every time you talk about Craig, and we'll all talk for years, and we'll have a, a glass of wine over it, and some dinners and all the rest of it, many, many of us. But Brian McLaren and I had an inside joke with Craig, because you're talking about going around all the places in Europe, but we used to say to Craig, oh, you used to, you've gone through all these great places and all these fantastic hotels and all these big stadiums. But really, Craig, it's about, you've some seen some of the great sweet trolleys in Europe, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> the man's face used to beam when the sweet trolley came out. <laughs> and you can remember that. He's like, you're an absolute connoisseur of books like, and <laughs> And it, it's Chucky and I just used to laugh our heads yeah. off at him. And we would yeah. sit and look over and pretend to be angry with us. And then we knew he was actually laughing as well. So we had a, a long running joke with Craig about that. Yeah. It's funny. It's really weird, Pat. I now realise sitting here that I, I love this guy. I mm. love this guy. I, I feel now like it's a, a, a lovely uncle of mine that's passed away. That's suddenly how I feel. It's it's the strangest thing to say, but but that's how I feel. But like I, you, I, I'll cherish all these brilliant um, experiences I had with him. A special um, man, a special individual, a, a person who cared about others as much as himself. Yeah, a man who showed many traits that are were undervalued then, but are more un, undervalued now or even ignored now. 
And that's why they're special, because they're kind of traits that we don't see lauded anymore. Um, and Craig had them. And however much, you know, they were ignored, he never stopped being that man. And you have to be a strong individual to do that. And he was a strong individual to do that. And, you know, I just... I, <laughs> do you know the amount of people you lose and you think, well... I've learned and I'll be a better person and I will continue from here on in to be a better person because of that. That's how I feel about him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Pat, listen, I, I'm, I've taken up enough of your time. We're going to finish up here. It's been so good having you on my podcast. And, and listen, Pat, one thing that strikes me, it's been wonderful spending the last 35, 40 minutes speaking about Craig Brown, but I, I'm, I'm overdue a podcast with Pat Nevin speaking about Pat Nevin. So I want to try and lure you back on here over the next few weeks or months, especially yeah. to talk about your your book and other things. Yeah, I'll be very happy to do that. As we speak now, I'm just about to zip off and talk to the Rock and Roll Book Club in, uh, in East London. <laughs> so that's my kind of book club. Right. Talk about Is it. Um, I, I, I saw this because you're, are you not in the middle of a book tour? I am, yeah. So I'm everywhere. I'm in UK, a couple of days in London, just now speaking to you. I've been all over Scotland with this one, which is great. Uh, the Good. world, Brighton. So I've, I've done a lot of that, but um, I need a wee break soon. <laughs> so um, when I get a break, we'll have a podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Listen, Pat, thanks very much for your time. It's been brilliant chatting to you. I, I really appreciate you coming on here. Thank you. No problem. Pleasure.